0: My name is Ed Moore. I'm your host. Welcome to the Newsprint Commando. I'm doing a series currently looking at Capital Comics books. I'm up to the Badger Volume 1, Issue 1, cover dated August 1983. The story, uh, the title of the story, is Precipitation. Now, looking at the cover, uh, this is the first issue of the Badger ever. Uh, also, of course, first issue through Capital Comics. It's a it's a, a nice cover. It's done by Mr. Steve Rude and Jeff Butler. I believe it's colored by Les Dorscheid as well. Says the new color Badger. Well, it's the first Badger. So, there's a large version of the Badger here on the left hand side of the cover. On the right, there's kind of a. Uh, semi-sketched-out uh, real-life badger, the, the biological badger. Down at the bottom, in a kind of an industrial-looking kind of scene, we have the badger kicking um, five, looks like five bad guys here, kicking their butts, with a gentleman off to the side watching with his arms crossed and a smile on his face, wearing like a, a green trench coat, something like that. We will learn more about this individual here in the story he's actually talked about. Inside front cover is an editorial where Richard Bruning uh, basically brings us up to speed on Mike Barron and Steve Rood, what they're doing. Mike Barron is the writer of this book. Uh, it's scripted and written by Mike Barron, penciled and inked by Jeffrey Butler. This issue is colored by Les Dorscheid, and the letters are by Mary Pulliam. It can be found reprinted in the Complete Badger Number 1, which was put out by IDW in 2007 they had acquired the rights for the Badger by then. So in this editorial page, it's just kind of a behind the curtains of what's going on. little information about this book. They drop a mention about the next release from Capital Comics entitled Whisper, which I'll be looking at in another, I don't know, three or four episodes, I believe, is when, when the Whisper comes up. I've been trying to look at these books as they were chronologically released by Capital. So the book Whisper, uh, the IP is not IP, yeah, IP, intellectual property, um, is the third that Capital Comics has done, will have done, and actually the final. They did three and then they collapsed shortly after Whisper. A couple issues, I think, of Whisper came out, and that was pretty much the end of it. Capital Comics, not of Whisper. So, uh, the story here, the first, well, not the first story page, but the next page, the first um, comic page, is kind of a montage of the Badger. We have another couple images of the real-life Badger, I guess, just to really sink in the fact that his name is the Badger, even though it's on the cover and it's on the title page here. The Badger. I, yeah, I, I'm, I'm not... An, understanding necessarily why they're having to go with the animal more than once. Once, particularly on the cover, that's fine. But uh, in the montage, we see headshots of the other two main characters in the story and a historic shot of one of the characters from way back in his uh, origins. Uh, And I say way back because as we picked this up in 1983, uh, dude is about 1,400 years old, they said. So he goes way back. And the story does actually open there. We have a half-page panel. The narrator tells us it is 412 AD, the hill country of northern Wales. And uh, it's not a very comforting or inviting looking place, this uh, hill country of northern Wales. Uh, there's a castle here, uh, very barren countryside, dark thunder clouds. a storm. There's Creature or no, that's more clouds. Okay. Uh, and in the castle here, we're looking in the window as we see a young boy watching the storm. And an older gentleman comes up with a knife with runes on it, speaking in some kind of runish, or maybe that's Celt. I'm not sure. I didn't recognize it. Uh, cutting the young lad's throat. And we don't see too, too much other than to know that that's what he did. In the morning, outside Ham's castle. Now, is that the first? Yes, the first reference of that's where we are. We're outside Ham's castle. Ham is this character. He is a weather wizard. I'm not sure why they picked Ham. But the townspeople are gathered because several things have come to a head. Uh, It's been raining for 44 straight days, one of the peasants here says, and this child that we saw killed turns out to have been the sixth child killed that year. So the child killings have been going on, and then the rain started, and now between the two, the townsfolk have had enough. They're going to grab their pitchforks and torches and rush Frankenstein's I'm sorry, Ham's Castle. They're beseeching the other druids here that are in the area, asking them to do something because this weather wizard is one of your own. Uh, He is doing us poorly. Get rid of him, please, or there will be problems. Not sure what problems there would be. The druids um, could handily handle them. I guess maybe... I'm, I'm not sure what kind of leverage the townspeople have against magic users, but they do because we'll see here in a moment. A call goes out. And we have several panels of the different methods of college in uh, 412 AD. That's college, C-A-L-L-A-G-E. I realized in my head that sounded like I said college, where you go to learn things or where they take your money and you play football, whichever. Um, college. So they're gathered here in an area of standing stones, kind of like Stonehenge or perhaps maybe something like that. And uh, one of the wizards here says, The weather wizard grows too ambitious for our small world. If we don't get rid of him, the people will lose respect for us and for the gods that dwell in the earth. They may even embrace this thing, this repellent philosophy, this Christianity, which is sweeping the continent. This once, we must act in concert. The people will lose respect for us and for the gods. I'm not sure why that's a a deal-breaker. I don't necessarily get that. But So, in concert, the wizards go and they attack Ham, ultimately subduing him, putting him into some sort of suspended animation and in a stone crypt. Now, the next next day, they are summoning the townspeople to determine what to finally do with this wizard. One of the townspeople suggests that they kill him, and he grabs up a knife, asks one of the other druids here to bless the knife, and attempts to slit Ham's throat. Unfortunately, what happens to Ham does not happen to him, but rather happens to the perpetrator upon him. So this gentleman's throat uh, mysteriously becomes slit, and he bleeds out here next to the coffin. And the, the uh, one of the attending druids say, uh, yeah, see, that's why we can't do that. So they determine, actually the druids do, I, I don't know why the townspeople are there, but the druids decide that what they're going to do is they're going to seal up this coffin, throw it on a Viking vessel, crew it with 12 volunteers from the townspeople, and beseech them to sail to the edge of the earth and throw the casket over. Now, in e- even in 412, uh, we know that the Earth was not flat at that point either. Um, and just for those of you that it, the the Earth has never been flat. Uh, I'm I'm sorry if that is you know goes against some of your beliefs out there listening. But the the Earth is a sphere. It's a ball. It's not flat. You can't sail to the edge. And even if if you did, what would keep the boat from going over the, yeah, anyways, the ball, the, the earth is a ball, it's not flat. So they sail. And they sail, there's a time frame here, I believe, six survivors were all that was left when they finally got to land. I thought it told us, I guess it doesn't tell us how long they sailed, but... Ultimately, of course, land, and, and we see here. Uh, I believe it's a Native American looking out over this portion of the coast and seeing the ship. So uh, Ham arrived here somewhere in the in in the uh, in North America. We cut to June 1983, a mental health facility near Madison, Wisconsin. So all of this book, well, except for the 412 A.D. part, occurs in and around Madison, Wisconsin, because that's where the creators. We're located. That's where Capital Comics was located. Um, Steve Rood is from there, the artist for Nexus. And then this gentleman, Jeffrey Butler, apparently is from that area, also Madison, Wisconsin, that uh, Mr. Barron discovered, and I'm throwing up the air quotes, discovered him. So inside the mental institution, we see this is the first day for Miss Fields. She is a new social worker who is being Daisy Fields. There we go. And she's not a social worker. I'm sorry. She's a caseworker. Let me write down Daisy here so I don't forget it. Daisy Fields. So she's being introduced by a gentleman in all in blue who she believes is a nurse or another social worker, but we find out is just hired muscle. He is introducing Daisy to the director of the mental institution, and then he takes the um, muscle dude here, See, um, Hank. There's his name. Hank is showing Daisy Fields around. The first person that Hank introduces her to is, um, I don't know if we're supposed to know really at this point. Maybe we've been able to put it together, but this is Ham. Um, He's sitting here on the edge of his bed. He is non-responsive, bald head, long Uh, uh, Unkempt facial hair, but that's the way that he had it back 1400 years ago Uh, The first thing I noticed is that apparently in in the preceding years his hair has not grown Neither on his head nor on his face Hank is being a jerk to the quote-unquote body here He's giving him a wet willy, slapping him on the back Doing all these things to show that he is unresponsive Or actually just to be a bully Um, In front of Miss Fields, it was kind of interesting because I don't know why he wasn't concerned she would report his behavior. But he leaves her because this uh, comatose patient, John Doe is what they call him because they don't know anything about him. Uh, John Doe is going to be one of her patients as, as a new caseworker. Next, we see a panel of the room adjacent to the Weather Wizard where a man is sitting sewing something. And then the next page, we see that that man that is sewing and Ham are actually engaged in conversation uh, telepathically. This is the apparently first time that Ham has uh, communicated with this gentleman. We don't know yet Um, the next page. We learn that this gentleman's name is Norbert Sykes, the awake gentleman that the comatose ham is telepathically speaking to. We also find out that Mr. Sykes envisions himself as a crime fighter called the Badger. He is in this mental institution because he beat up some teenagers, uh, was identified, caught, and sent to a mental institution as his punishment. Don't really know if that was the first time he went out badgering, but he did. And we see in muted colors, not the genuine colors, a version of his costume here that he was wearing, Apparently then, when he beat up those teenage boys, because that's how he envisions himself as he is talking to Ham. And Ham is asking him, where are we? When are we? You know, all the pertinent questions. And they they strike up a deal. If um, Norbert will give Ham the information that he's looking for, Ham will help Norbert get out, which he can see telepathically is something that Norbert desperately wants to do. So they be, uh, begin a discourse here. Uh, it's apparently the first time that Ham has spoken to anyone or, yeah, probably anyone. So I, I don't know why now, after 1400 years, Ham is uh, becoming awake, but he is. So we go to the lounge. There's a meeting of uh, some of the people here that work at the mental institution about some policy changes Miss Fields is then introduced to Mr. Sykes. They talk back and forth a little bit. Uh, Miss Fields then we see attempts to talk to Ham again, and we find that there is, it, it's not very successful. Ham is not really responding to her. Although, I, I do note that initially when Miss Fields walked into Ham's room, he was sitting on the uh, side edge of his bed uh, in a, in a, a gown. But he was sitting there, not moving or anything. Now, later that week, um, I'm not sure what that week is. It could be the initial week. But at some point in the future, several days later, when Miss Fields is attempting to casework ham Mr. John Doe here, he is sitting on the floor back against a wall. So somehow he can move or has moved. We also see that this wall... On the other side is the room that Norbert Sykes is in, and Sykes is sitting on the floor leaning against the wall, so they are back-to-back with only the wall separating them. Maybe that's why he moved, because the telepathy is better in that close proximity. I don't know. But to be non-responsive, to be – I keep wanting to say comatose, but I guess he's not comatose. He's just non-responsive. He can move around. Uh, he's not all stiff from having been in a singular position for 1,400 years uh, or even not moved for 1,400 years. So he doesn't show hair growth. Uh, so he is s- and suspended animatedly that way. But he is not frozen because he can move as we see that he is now on the floor. I, I don't know. We have a page, yes, of partial information that Norbert is feeding him, which is basically about Norbert's life. Grew up on a farm there in Wisconsin, went to the University of Wisconsin, played football, got drafted. Uh, Norbert tells us later on in the book he was selected for special forces. We see him in Vietnam killing um, just the enemy, I guess. He is captured at one point. Interestingly here, off to the side, though, we see, well, a couple things. Uh, There's a jungle scene with Norbert And an M16, I assume it's an M16, firing in front of him, presumably shooting the enemy. Behind him, in the darkened portions of the jungle, are eyes just peering, watching him. Around his leg and coming up behind him, though, are tentacles of some tentacled monster that we don't see. It's off panel, but we just see the, um, whatever, percentages of long tentacles attempting to grasp him about the legs. So a couple things there stand out to me is, as I hope we get into, you know, what exactly happened to Norbert in Vietnam that uh, kind of encouraged him, I guess, to be a superhero. Uh, well, no, not super. He doesn't have any. It, it, the Badger doesn't have any superpowers. He's a martial arts expert and he's a flesh and blood man. So he's physically, I guess, he would be more like Batman than anybody else. Uh, Now we see perhaps that Ham is actually speaking to Norbert through the wall, and through their discussion, Norbert is given the plan that ultimately will help him get released from the mental institution in that in his subsequent meetings with other caseworkers and with the director of the facility, Norbert says all the right things. So he is is moving to get himself out, just like Ham said he would help him do. Um, June stretches into July. June 1983 is when Miss Fields first showed up. So that's when our modern day uh, story began. So now it's eh, four weeks-ish later. And... Daisy Fields is in the room with Ham speaking to him as she has done you know days and days in the past, but this time he speaks back and frightens her, and then she goes to the director, telling the director what Ham had told her about who he was- a fifth century druid yada 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 uh She believes that Hook line and sinker very, very, very gullible young lady to be in the position she's in. As a caseworker, she's going to hear all kinds of stories. Uh, I'm not sure that it's the best for your mental or work health to believe right off all the stories that you hear, much less one about a gentleman who has lived since the 5th century. Uh, that's, yeah, kind of odd. Madison, Wisconsin. Three times voted in an All-American city. What does this mean, the phrase All-American city? Here's a hint. In most of the great capitals of Europe— You can walk the streets virtually anywhere in relative safety. And then we see a scene of a citizen of Madison, Wisconsin, not being able to walk the streets in relative safety as three thugs fall upon him. One grabs him by the tie, jerking him around the corner of a building into an alleyway. The second brandishes a switchblade and the third a broken bottle, the latter two is weapon. No sooner does this begin that the third gentleman, the farthest from the action holding the bottle, is grabbed, turned around, and swiftly punched in the face by a gentleman wearing a black and red outfit. Now, his outfit, made of whatever it is, is a complete bodysuit from his ears to the bottom of his feet to the ends of his fingertips with a... Face mask that comes up and covers his face, forehead to nose, leaving his mouth and jaw exposed and his hair and ears exposed. Everything else is covered by this uniform, this material that is red, red and black. And it's got a badger claw on the front. Oh. Must be the badger. Yes, it's the badger. He starts beating up these thugs, handles the first guy, punch to the face, handles the second guy with a karate chop to the collarbone, resulting in a crack. The first gentleman gets up again and gets a swift kick to the gut by the badger. The third gentleman, who is holding our poor Madison resident hostage, throws him down and runs away, with the badger telling him that if he catches him, he's going to break his kneecap. Ultimately, he does catch him, and with a snap, breaks his kneecap. Asking the Madison resident, You okay, mister? And he says, Yes, I'm okay. But who are you? And Badger tells him, Tell the grinks and the groinks, the pests and the vermin that the party's over. Tell them that the Badger is here. Tell them I'm going to kick their behinds. Tell them... Never mind. I'll tell them myself as he walks away. Paper here in an office, uh... The Wisconsin State Journal, the main article says costumed vigilante routes street gangs, tax veto expected, mayor calls for inquiry, and crime stats. All on the front page. Madison seems to be going through quite a bit of turmoil here in June 1983. So, Daisy Fields and the director are having a confab about this Mr. Sykes, because whether anyone else knows it or not, they know that this Mr. Sykes, who recently called himself the Badger, is this same individual that has been identified that is perpetrating these dastardly deeds against evildoers. Yeah, sorry for all the alliteration there. Um, beating these people up, trying to discuss you know, what exactly they're going to do. Later that day, Daisy heads home, um, encounters a very specifically placed rainstorm just over her house. And as she goes in, she finds that Ham... Is here. He has escaped the mental institution. Was not his his whereabouts were unknown for a day or two. But now he has surfaced at her house, waiting for her. Now, interestingly enough, um, they have a little conversation here, where a lot of it seems normal, right before and after this this one particular panel. But this one particular panel is colored green. The rest of the panels are white with black text. This panel is green with black text. And Ham appears to be doing some sort of jig dance, hopping from one foot to the other as he's speaking to her. When thou hast no suspicion, tis thee I petition. Thy stars are in ascension, for Ham doth beseecheth. Some tricks I will teacheth. Forgive, please, the mammoth Declinchin. Or as my friend the badger might say, when it's least expected, you're elected. It's your lucky day. You must be my executive secretary. Secretary. Uh, so apparently, because it's quasi-rhyming, he, he was dancing and singing to her. Editor's note here, okay, okay. Mamick to talk apart, to mangle Old English. So that's the only explanation is what the word mamicked declension uh, is starred. But yeah, so... Just out of knowing, yeah, yeah, I guess maybe Ham is a a bit loose in the brain cavity there also. Uh, And I say also because Badger's kind of, you know, weird too. So, Ham decides they're going to need a base. Um, Daisy, you know, she just lives in a regular house. Ham also has plans to include Badger in their little group. So, they need a place for three. They need an HQ for three. Well, he needs money. So, he says he's going to go out and get some money tells Daisy to go out and secure a, an appropriate domicile, which he, here's, here's a little story. In, in the way back, about 20 years ago, I started my career with 911, uh, my county's 911, as a dispatcher. And in the course of dispatching a police call, I froze be, my very first time on the radio, and I could not think of the word house, apartment, residence, any of the other words. The word that popped into my head was domicile. So I gave out over the radio something about, you know, the domicile in question. And for the rest of the shift, every police unit that had been near a radio dropped the word domicile back at me. I, I was, yeah, I could not. So anyways, domicile. And that's, that's my story. So Ham goes out and he starts uh, brain juicing people here to do what he wants, uh, he gets money from one dude. He asks first, and the dude says no. And then he gives him the whammy, the hammy whammy, and uh, the guy hands over his money. So then Ham goes into a McDonald, or is it McDonald's? It's a Mc something. Maybe they don't say McDonald's exactly, but it is. Where there's a sign about win five hundred thousand dollars big sweepstakes, um, almost like you know those little monopoly things that mcdonald's maybe used to do little game board pieces kind of like that so ham stands back and watches how you know people order and they get the ticket and everything and the one woman before him gets all excited because she wins fries he orders and i don't know what he uses to pay for it but he gets it having oh the dude outside his money that's right he gets the order changes his game card, I guess, physically changes it to read that he is the winner. And so he wins $500,000 here at this supposed McDonald's, telling the person that he'll take the cash now. And the guy's like, this will take a day or two to verify, but you'll get your money later. We don't know when later, I guess later that day. Ham is, and I haven't said this before. Ham is a very, very muscular fit dude. To be a magic wielder who, you know, in my experience uh, through pop culture and pop media, don't worry too much about their physical body because magic is more spiritual or more mental or, you know, so those are the skills that they hone, uh, leaving their body to oftentimes just go to waste. Uh, Ham, no. Ham has a body that is thicker and more robust than our martial arts expert Norbert Sykes, to be quite honest. He's a very fit, muscular looking dude. So, okay. He went somewhere and got some fancy dress. Three-piece, looks like a three-piece suit with a tie. He is beset a bond by three thugs different from the three thugs that Badger fought because he incapacitated all them. So these are three other guys. Again, Madison, Wisconsin, in June of 1983, is a rough place, man. Dude walking down the street in a three-piece suit gets accosted just because he's wearing a three-piece suit. That is, wow. So the first thug attacks him with a knife and winds up getting cut on the face, the thug not ham. We see that whatever in sorceral, uh thing that was on him when he died is still there. That whatever physical attack comes against him is transmuted, transmitted, transmogrified, whatever, back onto the person that perpetuated that attack. So the first dude tried to cut him. He was going to cut a uh, ham in the face. So he winds up cutting the face. The second dude punches ham in the jaw but we see the punch just kind of glance off but the dude the whole side of his face just explodes from where he gets punched so these two dudes two of the three are down and then the third dude pulls a pistol and is going to shoot ham but from out of nowhere badger uh, gives him a flying kick in the small of his back probably breaking his back by the look of it Uh, snap we hear a snap so yes he broke his back and thus saving ham he badger subdues the initial knife wielder. Now that he's over the shock of his face getting cut, he attacks again. But the badger disarms him and leaves him, uh, leaves him on his knees as Ham and Badger walk away. Looks like he might have broken the arm that was wielding the knife. So they go to a nearby bar, uh, where the two of them are sitting talking. Ham and Badger, Badger in his badger uniform. And we see off to the side a couple regulars at the bar who are sitting here when they come in. One says, look at the queers. And then the other guy says, disgusting. So they talk and talk and talk. And finally, these two guys come up and uh, verbally accost them. Hey, faggots, says the one guy. I apologize. Uh, If you are offended, you should be. That's a rather offensive term, but that's kind of my point. I heard you leather boys was all glitter and no go. And Badger looks at him and says, leather? And he attacks the first dude with a palm thrust to the bottom of the jaw, slamming that guy's head into the head of his compatriot, who was backing him up too close behind him, while also getting a rather thoughtful fist to the nether regions at the same point from the badger, both while he is saying there isn't a scrap of leather in this costume. And Ham over here picks up his mug of beer and in salute says, your health, gentlemen. Next, we cut back to the institute where we see that Daisy Fields hands in her notice. She goes back to her house, or to, it says Daisy's house. And uh, an older woman says, Miss Fields, you have two gentleman callers. I told you how I felt about gentleman callers when you moved in here. So she's renting, or it's a boarding house, or some kind of situation. Daisy, uh, from what this old woman says, actually looks to be on the verge of getting kicked out because she's entertaining gentleman callers. She goes inside, and Badger and Ham are waiting for her, both of them drinking uh, beer, having polished off several cans with a pizza box on the table here. The Badger's taken off his uh, his head portion of his uniform, his cowl, although it's not really a cowl. I don't know what you'd call it, but it's laying here against the back of the couch. So here they, they join forces, Ham and Daisy Fields and Norbert Sykes, a.k.a. the Badger. We cut to the city county building where the mayor and the chief of police have a short conference about needing to bring the badger in. And then we cut to Nepal, Ceiling of the World, where a gentleman is sitting here in the lotus position looking over at an urn that is burning some sort of mystical incense because floating in the fumes from the incense is a full head of uh, ham, a a vision of that. And this gentleman is saying it is happening, my old friend. The one we have waited for, the one we have awaited for 1,400 years, has arrived. Pack our bags. We leave for America in the morning. And this dude looks kind of different to me. He he's human, but his brow and nose have some interesting ridges and bumps on them. But the gentleman he was talking to reminds me of the um, the character from Black Panther comics the white gorilla uh, the dude that wore the pelt of the white gorilla and so it looked like it was it was a human head on the white gorilla body that's what this dude looks like except his hands and feet also look human and his head but the rest of his body appears to be that white fur like a white gorilla and that is the end of our story the nexus portfolio ad The last page, the inside back cover, Nexus number 3, which apparently has come out or is coming out. We talked about it last episode. And then on the back, Capitals New Color Comics, and it's a full-page ad for Whisper, who looks to be a uh, female martial artist, artist uh, artist-nay-ninja, perhaps, by Stephen Grant and Rich Larson, coming in 1983. So that's, like I said, that's another... I think two or three episodes, and I'll be talking about Whisper number one. So that is uh, the Badger issue number one. I will put up uh, when I post the episode this cover, so that you can see the cover. Um, not really much more for me to say, I don't think. I, I pointed out as I went through the the interesting things that caught my attention. Certainly a book that was interesting enough for me at at the very least in the short term, to continue reading it. It's not going to be any kind of chore to keep up with Nexus's run uh, in Capital Comics, which is only four issues. So, um, Nexus's, excuse me, the Badger's run in Capital Comics. Nexus was there for nine total, three volume one, six volume two, and then Whisper had two issues. So, as I have said, I know in the past about 15 issues in Capital Comics' career as a publisher will be over. And that will finish our Capital Comics run, and I'll move to something else that captured my imagination here for the newsprint commando. If you guys want to get in touch with me, um, Teal Productions on Facebook would be a good place to do it. I am IndieMan at gmail.com is the email address. On Twitter, you can tweet me at Teal Productions and the website where the episodes will be posted where this cover, you'll be able to see it if you're interested. ComicBookNoise.com slash T-C-N which is Tango November Charlie. Thanks a lot for listening. I'll talk to you guys uh, next time. will be, let me take a look. Nexus, I believe, Volume 2, Issue 4 will be what I'm talking about next episode. Catch you later, guys. Ciao.